0: Hello and welcome to the Serious Games podcast. All about playful methods for interactive trainings and facilitation. Let's get started. And today we're connected to London with Chris Caswell. Chris, we've met uh, so many years ago. I think it's six years ago at um, Play 14 in Luxembourg. And I'm happy to have you on the show. Um, We could talk about so many things like Play 14, the debriefing cube that we've developed, um, and interestingly, when I ask you, um, do you want to be part of the show, you uh, immediately mentioned the ballpoint game. So today, we're going to talk about this game and all the magic that you bring to it and to
1: your participants. Once again, welcome, Chris. Lovely to be here. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I like the idea that um, the classics are still classics and so useful for lots of different things. Um, and as a reason why it's a strong part of my kickbacks, I thought it'd be quite interesting to talk about why, because I'm a seasoned coach, I've been doing this a long time. Um, but it's still one of my go-to things to do with teams. Um, when I, when I meet them, um, and pretty much anywhere with the maturity will help me help them better.
0: Sounds, sounds good. Sounds good. Look, um, two things. What should our listeners know about you before we get started?
1: Cool. So I'm an agile coach, um, which means many different things to many different people. So generally, um, my career is about helping organizations um, transition into a better place. So that can mean lots of different things too. Generally, that means uh, adopting a a, a different way to deliver using agile practices. Um, I can work with, um, at a very team level, so working with teams, helping teams be successful for themselves, also working sort of, department level and organizational level i various different people I kind of take some things out of our toolkit and change things for the better um but i guess for this sort of game and that's interesting actually i use this game with many different types of people as well i don't always use it with teams sometimes i use it with departments because it's still interesting right uh, uh, we should probably look at what is a ballpoint game for yeah, people so, who don't understand or have not come across? it? Yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we can start with a ah, uh, like a thirty seconds pitch. How do you explain um, the game, the value of the game to someone who has no clue uh, what what it is?
1: So it's really simple. So it, it personifies playfulness really well because it involves balls, right? So I typically use sort of ball ball pit balls, so the really colourful children's balls. Um, mostly because they're light. <laughs> uh, the, when the game was originally designed many years ago, it was designed with tennis balls. But I don't know if you've ever tried to carry 100 tennis balls around uh, <laughs> commuting. It's, it's the right pain. Um, so the, the 100 light ball pit balls are, are, are very, very cheap and very, very light to, 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 to transport. Um, and mm. it involves moving these 100 balls from one location to another location. So these locations I have as, as um, baskets. So I have a basket of 100 balls here in the destination. And it's a team challenge. Okay, So it's a, how can you guys work together to move these balls from one basket to the other? Um, or how many can you get across in a particular period of time? Um, so that's the, the, the general sense of it. Um, but, of course, there are some rules.
0: Okay. Now, before we get into the rules, Chris, um, what can a team or what can the players learn from the game? So which, which learning goals are you addressing?
1: That's the interesting thing about this game is that it's very versatile in terms of what you could draw out of it. So mm. I mean, obviously, we're, we're very much into the debriefing world, right? So it, 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 right. you could say that, that what the teams will get out of this game is whatever they get out of it, right? Because it creates all sorts of learning opportunities. I guess at the, at the mm. very, very top level, the sort of the easy or go-to or obvious or stuff uh, is continuous improvement. Right? So the game is structured around demonstrating how having a little bit of focus upon um, how we do things and our ways of working mm. um, and then choosing to experiment with that can pay off in terms of, uh, of outcome significantly. Uh, and and it kind of gamifies that a little bit, and, and and it's artificial because it's you know the time is is what it is, and you're you're learning new skills because you're not normally playing with balls. But it, it mm. creates a really good analog for what um, introducing a continuous improvement um, culture within your organisation can really achieve.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm okay great great so you you just um shortly mentioned uh, when it was originally designed it was designed with tennis balls but when did you start um using it and do you know who who designed it
1: uh, i, where it comes I from? should know who designed it but i can't think of who there is at the moment but I, I know who introduced it to me was that, it's a friend of mine called chris and when, when was that i must have been 10 years ago mm. there or thereabouts my friend chris sylvie he's also a coach um, and I, At this point in my career, I wasn't into gaming at all. Um, I, I, um, <laughs> I was um, learning my way as a scrum master at that point. Um, and um, it was really finding Chris and seeing how he executed his practice using fun and playful elements, using uh, experiential learning, um, kind of gave me all sorts of epiphanies about how I could be better and how I could change my career. Uh, and for, and I guess it, within that journey, the ballpoint game was was a was a really big sort of um, kind of slap in the face, almost in terms of look how cool this was, how this experience was. That um, rather than just sort of standing up and talking to people about the value of continuous improvement or whatever it is, that we played this game and it was like it, the epiphanies were firing everywhere, and it was fun and stupid mm-hmm. and is 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 a good use of an hour. So. Um so yeah, Chris Chris did it with I think I was working with a team and he came along um and did it with us. Um and um okay. it was using tennis balls because he likes he's a very he's a he's a classic uh, traditionalist. <laughs> um and, and um which is interesting because the game's a bit different with tennis balls because they've got a lot more weight to them. Um so 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 that dynamic is a bit different. But um I, I learned it then and and I don't think I quite grasped it then and there about how powerful this game could be, but uh, it sat with me uh, um, I, over the years and as my career changed and I, and I took the leap into using different strategies and different approaches to team development I started playing with this sort of stuff. Um, it was one of the first things I tried and to use and it, and, it, and it worked. In fact, when I went to play fourteen the very first time, I think I played it there um, with people mm-hmm. who play full team and they already knew it, but it was still mm-hmm. a great opportunity to, uh, you know, try out some of these things and and with a different set of people and with a a much bigger group of people as well Mm, i'm not sure who made it though i'm I'm sure someone very famous came up with it
0: (laughs) yeah definitely we can we can look that up and i can add the link to the show note um to give the credit but look um so you've been using this game um roughly 10 years now
1: Right. Yeah, I, I guess well, there's, there's probably a curve there, right? So, as in an acceleration right. curve. That's so I use it a lot, mm. a lot now, mm. um, and I guess over the last sort of four or five years, I've used it more systematically in my in my practice, and before that, more experimentally. Yeah
0: great great and i will I, I we will definitely get to the question later on um uh, does it work with you know participants that already know the game or that watched a you know a, a youtube video or maybe even listened to this podcast but let's get to this later um so you mentioned uh, just for the start what do you need to prepare of course you need those Ball pit balls. I guess you mentioned like 100. I guess you can buy sets of yeah. 100. You need two buckets or you use anything that's available in the venue that you're at. What else do you need to?
1: Uh, you'd probably need a flip chart or, or a whiteboard somewhere to to write out the rules. So the, it would be too easy to, I mean, it'd be an interesting experiment just to get these balls from one place to another, right? But um, the, the, the rules serve kind of two purposes in the game. Um, the, f- the first purpose is to is to make it um, make the task a little bit more tangible, right? So, so rather right. than just putting balls from here to here, there's, there's a couple of things you need to do in order to satisfy success. Mm. Okay, and the second thing is a lot more um, a lot more gamey. The, the the rules are designed in such a way to um, generate some cognitive biases within the people that are playing the game. Anchoring them to a particular assumptions or particular realities, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because um, One of for me one of the strongest and most interesting outcomes of the game is that um, it teaches you that you need to break The rules around you or at least challenge the rules around you in order to make significant improvements
2: right?
0: mm-hmm. Okay, so, so hold on you have the flip chart um, you have the balls, you have a, a bucket, um, anything else you need to prepare something? So do you write down the rules or um, how is the area I, I
1: arranged? Um, yeah, so I do write. So generally I write a poster out because there, there is, I think human beings are really crap at remembering things, okay? And, 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 <laughs> and the rules are, you know, they're, they're, are, they're slightly wordy, not word. They're, they're too much to, be, to people to remember of this particular talking at them. So writing them down is, is very, very useful and important. Mm. The other thing you need, and I tend to have it on the same poster, is a little bit of a score chart because we're going to count how many balls they, they can move across in, in a two-minute window of time. Um, and then we're going to do that five times because the game is iterative. Um, so, so, mm. so there there is the continuous improvement demonstration that um, we, we will see that after doing this for five times and taking the opportunity to learn in, in between them all, that we can do, do better mm. than we did on round one. Okay,
0: all right. And are there any roles? Um, are there any um, other uh, instructions for specific participants? So you mentioned, for example, you played it with a large
1: group. What is the ideal group size? This is an interesting question, right? So the, you know, and, and the answer sort of goes slightly beyond my experience. So I have played with large groups of 40, 50, 60, but I tend to break them down into smaller groups. So, which makes mm-hmm. it sort of a com- competitive environment. Have small groups okay. competing with each other to try and outperform each other. It also creates a different mm-hmm. element of cognitive bias that, um, teams assume they can't look and, and learn from other teams, right? And so you could, you can enter that as well. That was never really a rule. That was never a constraint. Why didn't we see what those guys are doing? It's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look on YouTube and, and, and Google around, you'll see that other people have played this game with one team but of a large amount of people 50 to 100 people um and i have no experience with that and and, and so cognitively i don't quite see how that would work but it, it appears to be done
0: <laughs> mm, okay so you love to break up um into smaller groups um how large would a small group be
1: then i mean we're talking about five six? i think seven. you can probably tolerate up to 10 12 people All right so the, the more you get the 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 more complicated it's going to be for people to be properly participants, as in because you mm. so for this to be a to really be a great participant is to be part of the problem solving, right? It's to be part of the conversation about what is it we can do better. So as soon as you go mm. into the sort of even ten is probably too many because in that ten you're going to have two or three people that are going to sit back and just listen and watch. Right, and not really join him, which is sort of okay because they're still going to be observing the magic happen rather than be part of the magic happen. But for me, the the best outcome is to be, you know, express your ideas, express your frustration, Mm -hmm. express your confusion. Mm -hmm. All of those things that we like people to do within a, a team environment because these are great analogues for actual teamwork as well.
0: Right. Okay. So the sweet sweat is somewhere around six or seven. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's it kind of follows the sort of this, the normal engineering team concept or, or good useful team concept. And you know, Seven plus or minus two is good. Right. Okay. Great. Great.
0: So look, The room is arranged, the participants are there, the the rules are written down, you've got the scoreboard. How do you start? What are are the the, the steps and duration? You mentioned some iterations, and um, how do the flow moments develop?
1: So obviously we start with the invitation. So the invitation will vary depending on what we were doing before. Okay, so if we were already in a workshop, um, perhaps it might be actually what we're taking a break, let's do something different. Um, Or if we were, um, if we're going it's cold, you might, let's, 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 play a game. Who's up for a game, right? Let's, you want to try and hook them into the idea of doing something differently, right? Because, um, generally speaking, um, and I think it's true, even though it doesn't seem very true from my point of view, but, um, if I were to leave my bubble of the, the worlds from which I'm working, um, gamification, playing, playfulness at work isn't very common, right? It's, un, it's unusual. Mm. People don't expect to walk into a meeting room and play with balls. Right? And I know this is true because I, as soon as I do this, um, with in an organization, what happens first of all is that my desk starts looking like uh, a kid's playroom, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I've got baskets of balls and all sorts of things happening. And then mm. I, I observe people walking past me and, and you, get, you get like this double glances of what the hell's happening over here, right? Mm-hmm. These curiosities are immediately generated because this isn't normal. This isn't what we normally do at work. So. Hmm. when you, your invitation needs to to consider that, to consider the people, and either you want to give them an idea that actually we're going to do something different and play a game, or if they're really used to that, say, I've got a cool game to play, guys, just a a go, all right? So get get them all rallied up to this idea we're going to play a game. I don't tend to talk about why, yeah, because I don't mm-hmm. really, I'm, I'm really, because of you, <laughs> your fault, uh, and a DB from Q in mm-hmm. general, I'm really super sensitive about telling people what they're going to learn. Right, or what you have learned or what you mm. should have learned right? right so I try not to do that at all so um, I talk about we're well, just going to play a mm. game it's fun and, I, and if I need to give them a little anything more it's, it's about problem solving solving a problem as a team let's see how well you do right um, so that's kind of an invitation right and I ask and then they're going to get a little bit of validation you guys up for that right who's up for that you going to it's cool it's cool let's do this and generally no one ever says no I'm not up for that <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so you got them ready. You're going to explain the rules next. You're going to uh, introduce them into the material, the scoreboard, and the time. Yeah, rules, well, we right? start with the
1: goal, right? So the goal the goals, um, is, is nice and clear when to get the rules from here to here. And that's a nice example. Um, of, of 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 making it fun because you're going to be walking around with a big set of balls which is silly and stupid which is cool right so you, mm. in doing that yourself as a facilitator you're kind of enabling them to be silly and stupid because if you can be silly and stupid balls mm. they can be right also there's a trick here as well that allows you to put the baskets um, quite far away from each other Right. In, in, in that demonstration, I've got this basket here. It's going to go this side of the room. I've got this basket here. It's going to go that side of the room. So, um, that's a facilitation trick to, again, give them a, an anchoring bias about this is where the baskets need to exist. Right. Which isn't true. Mm. Right. But it's just, um, because I put them there, they assume it to be true. Okay. Because this is good. Right. So they part part of the success in the game is to challenge their own biases. Um, and so so you do that first, and then so, you talk about okay, so the goal of the game is getting as many of these balls from over here into this bucket over here as you can in two minutes as a team. Sound good, All Right. And but then, but obviously, there are some rules to make that a little bit harder for you, right? And then we go through the rules about um w- what they need to do in order to succeed to get a single ball across,
0: okay? So, how many rules are there? I mean, um, rule number five or one.
1: six, so 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 there's um, so this is an important part of the facilitation is, um, is conveying the rules, um, checking that they get the rules because what happens is, because it's, it's this really interesting game, right? So as soon as you start the game, the, the people's brains are whirling around how to solve this problem, right? So you, you'll be tempted to ask the question, does everybody understand? Right? Or, or, or mm-hmm. even worse, are there any questions? And as soon as you ask the question, "Are there any questions?" you're going to get a whole bunch of questions about, "Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do the other?" And I don't, I don't want to engage with that just yet.
2: Mm.
0: You don't want to answer too many questions, or you, you never
1: answer you, questions. You, you want them to um, think for themselves and discover for themselves, and really want a baseline, okay? Mm-hmm. Because they, mm. they can optimize quickly um, if they try hard, um, and that's not a bad thing normally in, in the world, but. It, 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 in this game, because we want to, to create a uh, the, the biggest differential between the start and the end positions as we can, it's worth just getting into it get playing, get going now. Because otherwise, you can get into a situation mm-hmm. where they're talking you for five minutes about <laughs> how what, what the art of the possible and what they could do, and really, you know, the real the real world doesn't work that way. The real world just gets into it. get going, get going now, and then learn as you go. And that's kind of the mm. part spirit of improvement is that's it's, you get in the balance of doing and thinking right. So, mm-hmm. so, I, I say, so, so I so rules is quite important to so go nice and slowly, and then sort of just check in that they got that individual rule as you go, right? Mm. So that when, when you get the when you've done all of the rules together, you're in a position now to say rather than say, "Are there any questions?" or "Do you understand?" And say, "Okay, guys, you've got one minute to think about how you're going to succeed in this game." Starting now, go mm. right. So you immediately apply a pressure okay. and a time constraint, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm okay great so walk us through the rules real quick cool so and there's some facilitation tricks as well because as a facilitator you're trying to you're you are trying to invoke cognitive biases anchoring biases all the time right so you're creating for them a system a reality around this game which is designed mm-hmm. explicitly to constrain them all right um so the first rule for example is um that every ball must have airtime. okay so so, generally speaking, airtime is defined as the ball suspended in the air without being touched. Um, but to reinforce or to enforce a, a, a bias on this, I would take a ball from my basket mm. and I'd throw it to one of the participants and they'd throw it back to me. Okay? I'm going to try and choose someone I think is going to catch it. <laughs> yeah? But it doesn't really matter. Um, and, then, and I tell them, this is an example of airtime. Mm. Okay? Um, so... What I've done there is I've, I've essentially told them that you need to throw the balls between each other, right? The balls need to be thrown, but I haven't told them mm-hmm. that's not the rules. It's not what we've written down. But because I've done that action, right. I've, I've seeded this bias, which is which is important um, because because mm-hmm. once you because the the reality is once you try to do that in the game, it makes you a hell of a lot slower. <laughs> yeah. So that's the first rule.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so the the second rule is that um, everybody must touch every ball, right? So this is important, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you, you want to go through this rule quite quickly, right? Because um, normally people will hear it and absorb it as everybody must handle every ball, right? Everybody must hold every ball mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but mm-hmm. the, you word it very specifically, everybody must touch every ball. And it's that word "touch" mm-hmm. is the is the misunderstood or the ambiguous word um, that 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 mm. sometimes teams get that quite early, sometimes don't teams don't get that at all. That um, that that, that mm-hmm. you don't actually have to handle the ball in order to touch it or be touched by it. Um, so there's that. So you go past that rule quite quickly because it seems obvious and clear and, and simple. But it's you know there's 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 a, there's a little bit of a quirk in there. So the next rule is that um, you. You may not pass to your immediate left or your immediate right. Okay. So to facilitate mm. that, you, you just stand between two people and you, I can't do this and I can't do this. Right. So, mm. so which is planting two cognitive biases. Right. Uh, first bias is that you have to be now only passing forward. So, so you have to be opposite the person you're, you're passing to. But the real bias there is, is the word pass. Right. Um, the rule doesn't say you must pass the ball. The rule is you may not pass right. the ball to the left or to the right. But passing the ball really isn't part of the uh, of the requirement of the game at all. Yeah. So right. so I've now okay. I've now planted the fact that you should pass the ball, even though that's not actually a rule of the system. Right. Okay. Mm. So mm. it's cool. So now we're building up all of these all of this sort of system of, of understanding of rules around the game, which are all kind of a bit mm. fakey <laughs> yeah mm. um the next rule uh, is about how the ball is introduced into the system and and how the ball exits the system and um, it's the hardest rule to write down because there's lots of words and it's probably the hardest rule to convey mm. but so I tend to do it with a person so that so if it's say Fred Fred if you're the person that took and now use the color because all the all the balls I use are all like nice color ones. If you were to take this particular red ball out, I then walk Fred right over to the other basket. You must be the person who eventually puts the ball into here. That's the question I'm going to ask. Does that make sense, to everyone? Right? Because it's it's a it's a it's a it's a weird rule, but the person the person who takes must be the person who puts it in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, w- w- which is there actually there isn't any biases about that other than um, it, it, it's the one rule that creates energy and movement, right? Because mm. it, that person now has to be at both places. And then the, the reason why I put the baskets across the room from each other is to make this rule hard. <laughs> yeah. So the person's got now got to run. Like, this is this rule creates lots of running. It's quite fun. Right. So then that's but that also gives our energy high. It's cool. Uh, and then mm. the last rule is drop balls are out. Okay. So um, mm. so you know if the ball touches the ground, um, it's out. Don't try to recover it. So this rule is there for a couple of reasons. It's there to make the game flow better because people chasing mm. balls around and not it means that they're they're moving away from the the actual team flow a little bit, um, so which complicates mm. things. It also um, allows us to, if we if we if we want to, reflect upon um, the cost of change, right? So that so if we try an experiment, which is um, which wasn't a great experiment. It was a difficult experiment. Required us to practice a bit. Then we're going to probably drop a lot more balls than we would have done if we'd carried on something safer but slower, right? So we, mm-hmm. we so, so it gives us a mm-hmm. sort of a debriefable focus point at the end of the day if it, if it's important to do so. Um. Mm-hmm. So those the, so those are the rules. So I mean, it doesn't sound. Okay. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but there's actually not too much there, and each of those rules are. Um, other than like the the the, uh, the, the drop ball one, they've all got some element of um, of, of fun in them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, sounds good, sounds good. And look, they're written down. They're actively introduced by you. Um, uh, some are even demonstrated. And then, as you mentioned, you will um, immediately. Yeah. Pushed them into uh, the start saying, okay, you got one minute to think about how you will manage um, to, you know, get the balls from one uh, point to the other point um, and Start, right? So you immediately um, Yeah, visualize the time box. You just look at your watch. You just say, okay, go and
1: uh, figure it out So I I don't tend to visualize you. I guess you could do so So one of the more difficult things about facilitation in this game is keeping it tight Right, because you're going to as a facilitator, you're going to want to give them more time in their reflection period. Right, because you're nice people and you want them to have better conversations oh, right. and you want them to get to the end of it. But the the downside of that is this game can can expand to an hour if you let it, right? Because they will talk mm. forever. So I so I, I find it's better to tell them up front that this game is going to be like clockwork. Right, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna give you mm-hmm. much on yep. any any way of buffering. As soon as I say go go, all right? Uh, and there's a little bit of challenge in that for you in the game, but that's okay. Um, uh, um, so okay. so I would I would tend to time box on my phone, um, uh, uh, and then give me all. The, so I I I tend to have work with a little bit of flexibility, but mm-hmm. also being very conscious of the amount of time I'm spending because ultimately I don't want to. Constrain our opportunity to the reef.
0: Definitely, definitely. But look, uh, let's um, do a quick calculation here. So you got five iterations. Uh, the duration of the iteration is two minutes, so that's roughly yep. ten minutes. You got the you know explaining the rules, um, uh, setting everything up. That's one minute. And what happens between? So the they get
1: um, again uh, additional periods of time to reflect upon what just happened and what we could do differently. Right. So this is like a an analogue right, of right. a retrospective and, or no or, or, or review. Right. And that's roughly like a minute? So it, it it varies. I've tried both a minute and two minutes. Um and you know, I think for me the, the two minute one gives them a slightly better opportunity to learn. I found when I go fast one mm. minute ones, I'm having to prompt them a little bit about challenging some of their assumptions. Right. Um because mm. it's it's not very much time. For for them to have a good conversation and to potentially so sometimes I mean what one of the interesting and one of the magical things you can see happening in in teams that are doing this is that they they try out some ideas within within that period Mm. of time what would happen if we do this and they give it a quick go, which is quite cool right that's like a that's a, a admirable approach to prototyping an idea before you take it into into right. reality so I, I guess i would be cognizant of my time box if i'm if i'm part of like a bigger longer workshop and i and the facilitator of that has only given me mm. you know 45 minutes tops then i'm going to be tighter on my time i might use a one minute or a very very tight two minute time box um but if i know that i've got you know i've got an hour-ish um and, and no one you know I, I can i can play with that time then i can be a little bit more um, flexible about the amount of time that they're going to take. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to keep the pressure on the whole time. But I might say, you, okay, you've got, you know, you've only got a minute left and I might give them a minute and a half because um, because I'm nice. <laughs> but I, I want them to feel the pressure of time but have the opportunity to do uh, a decent conversation, have a decent conversation.
0: Right, right. Okay, great. So that's another, yeah, impediment there, you know, having the time pressure. But look, I can now imagine they're, um, testing, as you mentioned, um, they're, um, doing their little retros, they're improving. What, what happens? Can you just share a couple of things that you observe as a facilitator, maybe conclusions that they draw a while, um, in, while being in action? Uh, what do you want them to discover? Are, are there any, comments or reflections yeah, from your sure. side on what is actively facilitated while yeah, they're playing.
1: It's, it's a super interesting game to observe, right? So I mean for, uh, this is as a, a segue. Um, one of one of the reasons I love this game is it, it, it um, allows me to get a good read of a team or good people I'm going to be working with. Right? Because it, it does mm-hmm. allow them to really express who they are and how they work and how they think and how they interact. Right. So from from a from a coach point of view observing that is really interesting. Um, But yeah, so, so on, on the first, so the first that you've only got a minute to think about it is quite deliberately short, right? Because you don't want to overthink a bit. You don't want to come up with a, you know, because we're in the agile world, right? So we don't want a robust and difficult, you know, uh, a long-term strategy to define how to do these things. You want to just try it, test and, test and learn, test and fail, right? So given a very mm. short amount of time, which then means that their first iteration is going to be awful, right? They're going to be throwing the ball to each other and there's going to be some weird and wonderful pattern they're trying to follow and lots of balls are going to be dropped on the floor and they probably get through 10 or 20 balls in, in that in that two-minute window. It's pretty, mm. pretty, pretty pretty poor. But that's good, right? Because um, because it, it, it will present um, many options to make that better. So, um, Right. So, so this is so facilitatory wise. It's interesting, right? So, um, there is an, an element of trying to observe the rules of being observed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they are supposed to be following the rules, but I tend not to look that closely, right? Um, I, I look for the, mm. the 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 obvious cheating, yeah, or the obvious omissions. Right, But generally speaking, um, the teams will try quite hard to keep within the rules because you've created the system around them. So I'm not, I'm not going to look for, like, did everybody actually touch it because that requires you as a facilitator to track every ball through every person. That isn't ever happening. I'm just going to look for the spirit of the rules being observed and, 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 and upheld. So that, that's the important as a facilitator. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, second thing as a facilitator, you're observing interaction, you're observing frustration, you're observing... Uh, energy, all these sorts of things, are, are they, you know, are they, are they, uh, how, how are they working together? It's also quite in- instrumental and informative going forward right after the session oh, potential yeah. issue, uh, and, and also gives you a potential debriefing um, angle that's, that mm. talks about, you know, the dynamics of the thing and, and how the interaction changes throughout the game. So so they'll, they'll get through mm. the, the, the first two minutes and it will be disappointing. Um, and at this point, you, you know, you're just straight into a, into a, into a reflection period. Two minutes or one minute to reflect upon how well. And, and the instructions are very simple. You've got two minutes now to um, think about how that went and and work out what you could do differently as a team to go to get more balls across next time. Sometimes this is this is the point where I reveal we're going to be doing this five times, right? So um, because mm. it, there is an art form to drip feeding the information they need. Um, the right time. So the right time they need to know that they're going to be doing this more than once is now. Right. So um mm-hmm. but sometimes at the front. it doesn't matter a great deal. Um, but they're going to say so we're going to we going to do this again. So take take two minutes to think about it and see what you can do better. And so they'll talk about it and mm-hmm. they'll 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 they will start to optimize what they're already doing. Okay. So there's going to be the throwing stuff, it's going to be the standing opposite stuff. So that they won't be particularly challenging any of their Approach to it um, necessarily, or, or mm. all the rules which are constraining them, right? So they they will optimize. Um, the person who's doing the picking and ending up uh, and putting is generally ends up running faster after the first iterations. So they they they're having to work mm-hmm. harder and faster, right? Um, they they may try to start right. to put in more than one ball across a time. Those sorts of things, kind of so. Sort of, almost suboptimal mm. optimizations yeah so small what sort of things will come across so they'll, 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 they'll come up with some ideas though so, so there, there, are, there are lots of different opportunities to facilitate this different ways. so some people like to mm. um have the scoreboard a little bit more verbose so they record um not 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 just how many uh, balls were um transported across in, in two minutes but they record mm-hmm. how many balls were dropped so they went out of the system um, okay. and they, and they also record the um, the experiment that the team um, are, uh, are are going to take on to the next iteration so for example with, with our mm-hmm. experiment all, all the summary of our experiments we're going to be putting four balls across rather than one uh, for, per, per person okay. so okay. so there's an interesting because more, so, more mm-hmm. sort of um, uh, reflectable material at the end if you wants to do that. The right. downside is that then the, the facilitation around the end of that uh, debrief is a little bit longer, Um so you're breaking the flow of the game a little bit.
0: -hmm, Because you you need to make sure that they, you know, come up with something that you can a write down and b that they have a clear um, shared understanding, but also a commitment to which experiment they
1: want to do. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's some good form in that, right? So there's, there's, I mean, if you look at a a normal uh, retrospective sort of opportunity, you want to come out with that with a um, some actionable outcomes which are widely understood and 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 specific enough to actually do, so we know what we, what, what, what how we're we going to do, how we're we going to experiment together. So, um, but it, but you've well, got such right. a crunched period of time to achieve that. It's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I I tend not mm. to. I think um, because I think when you start doing that, you are hitting the hour point. And um, for me, mm. I, uh, the the realities of of the world is that we're working hour chunks. Right. And that's very traditional, but it Mm -hmm. is the truth. Um, And uh, therefore, within my hour chunk, I need to get a debrief happening as well. So uh, I I, want to streamline it a little bit. Just so I skipped over actually. So, so while the game is happening, you obviously you're observing and all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So you may be counting, Mm -hmm. you may be, so so as a facilitator, you're, you're observing, but you're also keeping the game happening. So you, you may be counting um, the, the dropped balls. Okay, um, and I'm just going mm-hmm. to keep a, a mental count of these, and I'm going to pick them up, and I'm going to return them to the opening bucket. Okay, because C- uh, that okay. way I don't have to do that um, in their retrospective period of time. Or if you've got a second facilitator, mm-hmm. then that's even better. Um, so just to keep yeah. just to keep on top of it, because balls will fly off and go everywhere, right? <laughs> you have to go retrieve the bastards mm-hmm. um, And then in in the retrospective part of the reflection part of it. Um, they will want to, they'll have a burning need as the, and it gets even, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the game progresses to count how many balls they got mm-hmm. across. But they've only, they've only got a minute or two minutes to reflect. So what I tend to say to them is just forget about the balls for a second. Think about what just happened and, and talk about how you can be better. And I'll count the balls and let you know how many you got. Okay, so now you're facilitator. your job okay. is now mm-hmm. to count the balls, right? Um, so I'm mm. remembering how many they've dropped, right? I know there's a 100 to start with, so sometimes later on in the game, you can do maths to work it out, count the other way, but some way work mm-hmm. out how many that there are and and record it on your chart. So, um, okay, Fair. And I tend to interrupt their debrief halfway through, so like, okay, you've got 50 balls across, whatever it is, just to, to let them know so they can mm. – it gives us an element of celebration of, with that often. Right, that's cool. Um, this is very mm. nice. It gets the energy back up again. Mm. Um, but it gives them the information system mm. in order to prime what they're going to be doing next. Um, some, mm. another, uh, facilitation option at this point or the, uh, the end of the re- reflection period of time is to ask them the question, how many do you think you can get across now? Right. So it's mm. predict okay. with the changes you're about to make, how much of an impact that happens. Um, uh, that's how it was originally taught to me um I've dropped doing that because I don't think it really adds a great deal um, and certainly certainly how I re- I debrief on it anyway because I'm a I'm, mm. I'm a advocate of no estimates and those sorts of things right so the the, the predictive sort of outcome mm. thing isn't that interesting what's interesting is the experiments that you're going you're going to take on and, and and your belief in that experiment being a useful experiment.
0: Mm. but do you do you, do you see an urge um for for groups to uh, improve right so um if you say look you got fifty this time um it, it, i mean i could e- imagine and i've observed um that there's immediate spark oh we can do more right we can just hit that number yes
1: yeah, so, so that and that will they will um sub optimize into uh, a pattern that's as good as they can get it within the constraints of the, team, of, 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 the of the game
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, this will happen in in round two or round three. So one of the two things for me happens, either that they start to realize that they yes. can challenge the rules. So they realize, uh, Oh, can we move the baskets or, um, Oh, can we, um, does this does, does, airtime? Is that, is that, is that a real thing? Or can it just dropping it into the basket, uh, an example of airtime, right? The mm. answer to those two questions is yes, of course you can. Right. Um, and so, so the livers start to realize that they can challenge rules. With 3. If they haven't, so um i say that we have now done two two full rounds and they and they, and, and i can listening to their conversations in the retrospective. they're not talking about challenging some of those constraints um i, I might give them a hint i i, I might okay. i might just draw their attention to a rule that mm. may not be what you think it is right so that might be about airtime that might be um so why are the baskets the other side of the room, right? Or you know, just to give them an idea that um, that everything may not be as it seems.
2: Mm,
0: okay. So they, they, they go back and forth, but they check in with you and you say yeah. yes, you know, um, and you give them a little hint. Are there any constraints that they barely or never, or maybe that you would say only very mature teams or, um, I don't know, uh, what sparks um,
1: the challenge? So it's interesting. I, th- I think it's not really so much about the team or the maturity of the team. It's about the organization. Right, so if I'm if I'm working Mm -hmm. in a bank or you know a kind of an old school corporate, um, then they are less likely to want to hack the system naturally, right? They're not they're not looking for those opportunities. They're not they're 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 quite comfortable working within the boundaries of their system and and the constraints of that system. Yeah, they they like their rules. Uh, and the rules define what we do so they will try to optimize within the rules right so th- those are the sorts of guys you're going to have to give them um, some some sort of, of inspiration about why, why is this why, why is this true why you know um, mm. so, so where does it say you have to touch everyone has to touch every ball or what you say everyone has to handle every ball? Something, something like that. You you can, you're, Depending on what they're experimenting on, you can also see their pattern and how they're solving the problem now. What might be instrumental for them mm-hmm. to make a significant leap forward in, 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 in their, their okay. performance? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't tell them the answer. I'm going to give them a clue. And then and normally that clue is strong enough. Being, mm. Oh, shit. Christ, yes. What? And then, then the, suddenly you go from this. Because mm. the energy starts to go down when they start – they stop understanding how on earth can we go faster, and then they give them a the clue. Right. And then there are other teams. Um, So the other way, sometimes I do that. So if I if I'm working with a team which are looking to challenge the system but haven't worked out where the challenges are yet, um, I might I might drop in the 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 lovely the lovely line um, or <laughs> the bait that. Um, so you're doing really well. Um, so so far, the, the the world record for this is 450 balls. You've got a little way to go yet, but I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll get that. <laughs> right? So that's a really great inspiration, okay. right? Because if you're stuck at 50 balls, how on earth are we going to get 450? Mm. We must be doing something wrong, yeah. And that creates another great conversation. Yeah, yeah. What on earth do we do radically differently than we are doing now? Mm. Just just a little bit of a incentivizer.
0: Great. I, look, there's I mean, there's so many variations, and I like that. Um, we're exploring every the, the bits and pieces where you as a facilitator uh, while a designing that game and b while facilitating that game can make active choices to either um, you make a little bit harder make it easier to spark to plant uh, a, c- a couple of ideas and i really do think this is um, our job when when, when facilitating Absolutely. serious games now before um, we come to the you know debriefing questions and um, the other opportunities to grow I would like to ask you, is there anything and any special experience you had with this um, ballpoint game? Any, any group that just um, comes to your mind where you think, wow, look, they really did something that was totally unexpected or that surprised you?
1: Yeah. So I guess well, there's, there's a general group of, of, of people that play this game that just do extremely well. So and that's worrying as a facilitator, right? Because you want to create enough experience mm-hmm. to draw off of, to learn from. Right. So they've already gone like above a hundred balls in round three. I, where are they going to go from there? Right. So, um, Mm. so psychologically, I, I have to become comfortable with the fact that I'm going to get them to go play two more rounds and they may not see as significant leaps forward as they were before, but I'm comfortable with that because they will experiment with something new. We'll try something and it will succeed or mm-hmm. try something and it will fail. Uh, and that's okay. And so um, in that experimentation, they tend to find small jumps forward anyway, which is I think that's great, because you can still reflect upon the journey of you know your, your, early, um, your early acceleration was massive, and then you started to get into more iterative acceleration as you, as you went on. This is quite a good analog for how mm. teams mature teams work anyway, which is quite cool. The other interesting things with this game um, are when teams... Well, there's a few things. So one thing to look out for is that a very common pattern when teams realize that they can hack the system is that they will try to do this kind right. of um, dishwasher uh, uh, thing where they everyone puts their hand in the basket mm. and swishes it about a little bit and then passes the basket around and then pulls it right. into the thingy. So uh, you have to see uh, that happening because you're going to stop it from being a successful outcome, right? Because you, you cannot mm. demonstrate that everyone has actually interacted with every ball in doing that. It's, it's too random. So, mm. But as a facilitator, it's really important to see that early so that you can... <clears throat> Um, so redirect them into a different way of thinking quickly, otherwise they'll waste, waste the entire okay. iteration. That becomes very hard when you're working mm-hmm. with multiple teams. Yeah, because you, you have to be your eyes everywhere to make sure that it's almost guaranteed to happen to at least one one team or not many teams to attempt that. And you, you don't want them to lose the opportunity to try something different. Um, another really cool pattern that I love is that... Um, Often a team will try to do something and it will fail horribly, right? So they'll so they'll go sort of. Mm. We got ten balls through. We got thirty balls through. We got seventy balls through. We tried something stupid and then went down to fifteen balls through again, right? Right, and that's brilliant, mm. right? So as a, as a as a reflectable um, experience, that's really cool about you know the the experimental nature of of, of continuous improvement and, and yeah, then yeah.
0: and and the cost for for changing things. Look, Chris. Um, I've written down a couple of, um, you know, things that you could uh, zoom into, uh, things that you could debrief, right? The continuous improvement, uh, the retrospectives, the prototyping, um, the the explicit experiments, hacking the system or or, uh, challenging the um, constraints. And um, also, you know, from improving what you're doing into um, introducing really innovative um, practices? Are there any other domains that you love to reflect? And of course, I will ask you, what is your favorite debriefing question? I <laughs> <laughs> there's one.
1: Kind of, there's all sorts, right? So, and so the, it, it, it really depends on where you're starting from and what you hope to get out of a bit.
2: Hmm. So
1: you can ask different questions to, to, to shoot down that avenue. Um, there's a whole bunch around team dynamics and working together. Right? So you could use this game as a purely team building game, right? Because it, it, it is working together to solve a problem, right? Um, and, and to create decisions and to debate and, and, to, hmm. and to, you know, sometimes argue and, and, and get frustrated. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a lot to talk about how that went. So you could use this game to see like a, a team charter, for example, about the sorts of behaviours that work mm-hmm. well for us and the sorts of behaviours that don't work well for us. Um, you could, I mean, if you're in the agile world and you're looking to um, bring home some of those principles and values, you can you can pretty much tease them all out in this game in some way, right? I mean, um, you you, yeah. you have to try a little bit creatively sometimes, but there, there are, I'm mm-hmm. I'm sort of confident that if you were to ask the team. To, um, it's kind of a different type of a debrief, but if you're asking to have an experience this game, um, correlate what they, what they felt, what they saw, what they observed, um, with uh, the, the full set of agile principles, they will be able to correlate that, right? They can see, they'll, they'll see the, the, how this particular mm. idea was manifested in the game in some way, which is really powerful. If your ultimate game is right. to land cognizance and, and connection with the agile principles, doing it via the experience we have is really powerful. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. I, 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 wow. lots of things.
0: As you mentioned, look, you know, w- w- during the conferences where you exclusively go into a session to play a game or, of course, also during this um, uh, recording, um, we are focusing on the game, but it always comes with a context. It always comes with uh, specific, you know, w- let's call them prime participants. Uh, w- they're ready to make this experience experiment and um to explore what happens, and you know the rest is an emergent um knowledge that just shows, and that that's also our job to to reflect that and to make it discussable
1: i so that I try to not to worry about those sorts of things, right? So, because uh, you, you, can, you can over, overthink, like, right? Who, who, who are the people in here? And, and, and who are the people who are like, you know, like, like ESVP episodes, right? Who are the explorers? Who are the shoppers? Who are the educators? And who are just made to be here? I don't really care, right? Because I believe that's a fun experience. I believe that generally speaking, people are children. Um, uh, they have got a child at heart. And if you can allow them to experience and express that, well, they will have some fun. Right, so I mean, that's the minimum bar for me. People will have a bit of a laugh about it in this game, mm-hmm. and there's a good chance that you're going to find something interesting in it yourself.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely, and I, I would definitely conclude after using this, you know, for ten years or you know, six plus X years. Again, the same game dynamics. But the way you facilitate it, the way you anticipate the group, um, the context that you're in, the context that the participants are in, always creates a new outcome, but also a new um, space to reflect and to learn and to improve. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So what do you then do? I mean, how are the the reflections and the experiences and the insights that the participants come up with um, after the game translated into their future behaviors? So you mentioned, for example, a team charter or what What else do you do to help them uh, to make it stick
1: so it, it depends <laughs> so it's so, so, for example like if, if this game sometimes the last time i played this game was a couple of weeks ago and it was part of a um, a marketing department off-site right so the whole of the, all of the marketing guys here um got together and we shouldn't do very often because they're quite distributed um and so there was a, a day of um talking about what the year is going to be like and what their challenges were and what our goals needed to be and all those sorts of things, right? But there's also, um, there was a sense of that we need to be working together a little bit, right, on, mm. on things. So for me, that's because it was part of a longer day. Um, uh, the, the the outcomes are, uh, can be a bit lighter. Um, so with, with those guys, because we are playing four, four teams concurrently um, and, and you shouldn't shouldn't underestimate the amount of noise that can make <laughs> it very very noisy very very excited <laughs> and everyone's very energized and that sort of stuff right which is so lots of lots of different outcomes ticked but we, it was important to reflect upon it a bit so we used um uh, a liberated construction for all style um debrief for that it's quite light but to get getting people mm-hmm. to reflect upon what happened in this game And what was interesting about it right so it's again a really light debrief right it's not guided it's not um it it, is not targeted in any way um but just just to take that opportunity that actually what some other teams or other people experienced may have been interesting to you to help you make sense of what you experienced right um uh, uh, which was good Mm. enough um because the, the The overall outcome that the the marketing leads wanted really was connection and having fun together and building relationships and those sorts of things right so the teams were formed of people who don't normally work together anyway right? and having having a break from some of the the boring stuff so that was okay it's a lighter startup but if I'm working with a team right so now i'm doing'm mm. I'm, I'm, I'm they're the playing this game for more solid reasons right so perhaps um the the, the the continuous improvement cycle doesn't exist yet or has always failing right so things aren't happening so mm-hmm. you, you would you could take those experiences and then bring it back to reality right so you know what, what what can we as a team learn from this experience and you do that in all sorts of ways I've used the deep thinking cube to, to 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 premise that that, that thing or you, you can guide the the, the, the the guide the thing itself. Generally speaking the game is going to generate insight right um, and what you do with that insight is up to you you can either go straight to some actionable outcome like so, so what can we do differently guys how can how can we get our 450 balls across <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah but in our day job right and in our, now in our mm-hmm. delivering whatever it is that we do or, or you or you can segue mm-hmm. into um some sort maybe some some root cause analysis right so you know what what what's what what what's happening in our world where, where 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 are we failing at you know getting better why why are we in a rut and start to explore that a little bit so i guess you it you, very much dependent on the team but mm-hmm. you you can take some of so the game it's very lightest is just demonstrating that continuous improvement does work right so which is a good cognitively that's a very strong place to be because if it, if you haven't got that in your world then that's interesting because it's going to be something that's admirable. Maybe we should mm. have that as us. Admirable. Okay. Right? And, and, and you got to leap from that into a place where you make mm. it actually happen.
0: Okay. Wow. Wow. Look, I have two more questions, right? Um, how can I possibly, this way I just thought, how can I possibly thought that I could, um, you know, put your 10 years experience with the ballpoint game in a 50-minute um, episode, right? Look, Sorry. Two final questions. No worries, worries. it's great. Maybe we just have to do a part two of this conversation. But look, um, uh, one question, um, I guess I um, mentioned it um, earlier. I mean, this game is a serious games classic, right? Or an agile game classic these days. So many people heard of it, read about it, saw it on YouTube, saw it being played during conferences. So um, what happens if you um, play this with a a, a bunch of, um, of of participants, or maybe only a few participants, have been in this experience before. Does it still work?
1: So, so the answer is yes. So, so you would look at why. Okay. Um, so, f- firstly, I, I've always worried about that as well, right? Because the 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 awesomeness of the game is impacted somewhat by the fact that that some or all of the participants have experienced it before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so. That you have to, um, and that's a fear rather than a reality. So, but the reality is it's not likely to be true. So that hasn't happened to me so far, right? And that uh, um, a significant portion or very many of the people I've played with have actually played it before. It feels like it's reality because we're in a bubble of serious gaming, right? True. So in our bubble, <laughs> it feels like everyone's playing this shit. But actually, in the real world, the people who we work with, this is still unusual, right? Playing any sort of game in the real world is unusual. This game mm. specifically is super unusual, right? So... It, it isn't really something that actually happens. Now, it has happened that a person or a couple of people might have done it before, right? And but human nature is wonderful in this in this sense because they'll immediately reflect. Oh, I've seen this. Okay, cool. Would you mind playing this game, but in a in a silent way? Right. So I'll give you, or you give them options. So you have an option. You can play this game, but but. Try hold back on the things that you know about this game to allow everybody else to experience it how they, mm. how you did originally, or you can be an observer and then help us at the end to reflect on what you've observed. Okay. Okay. So you can facilitate into a way that's that still allows everybody to get some experience out of the experience. Mm.
0: Okay, great, great. Yeah, we really have to think about a, a silent version. Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> and Chris, this is look. My final question. Um, our hour is almost up. Um, do you have an ultimate facilitation tip um, for all the series games facilitators out there, or someone who's so inspired now and wants to try the ballpoint game? Uh, what is your ultimate facilitation tip?
1: I guess the you asked me what seemed you asked me my favorite debriefing question around this right so I think the, the, the two are probably the same thing mm-hmm. right because if is it, this is kind of like the, the 110% thing right because you could do everything else right but the last 10% you can ask the question who in the room knows most about succeeding in this game okay and they, they will they will look at each other and then maybe choose one one person and then you you you, you know disagree right and mm-hmm. they ask the question again, who in the room knows the best about succeeding in this game and then someone's going to look at you and say, "You? Yeah, you're right. I played this game a hundred times. The one didn't you ask me how to succeed, right? And then that's that's the final cognitive bias, right? That the the facilitator, the game master, is there to work against you and not work with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a, that's another it's just, it's just sort of compounds what they've already experienced about the systems around them controlling what it is that they do and how they do it, and that they need to challenge those things in order to really uh, achieve excellence Mm -hmm. wow powerful
0: powerful and um i uh, so have this um quote of, of tiagi in my head right so don't count the number of your games make the games that you play count right yeah. mm. and you showed us chris and thanks for for sharing all your your expertise and knowledge you showed us how you can um, use one game dynamic that is well known in our bubble um that is well documented out there right um videos uh, blog posts, uh, this episode and and many other experiences that our listeners might have with that game or around that game but you can use it to focus, either to focus the team or to at least open up a space where they can explore how they, um, as a group, as a team, um, can improve. And and that, that is powerful within itself. Yeah,
1: it's say. a cracking game. And it's... I think it's, it's why, why it really is a, a classic. It's a staple mm. of, of our job. It's, it's not it's not because it's old or, or well known. It's because it works. <laughs> yeah, mm. and, and it's versatile and it's fun. And it, it kind of there's not very many games that tick all the boxes, but the, mm. the, this is probably one of.
0: Now I can see why this is your favorite game. Chris, um, thank you so much for your time, right? And um, uh, thanks for all those those insights. And uh, and again, maybe we're just going to have a, a second conversation on on this game um, or maybe on a different topic. There are many, many other things that we could talk about. I'm looking forward to see you um, maybe at Play 14, um, maybe somewhere else, maybe just during a random visit to the UK <laughs> or uh, Berlin. <laughs> Thanks to our, all our listeners, um, and till next time, bye bye. You can reach us at hello at keylearning.net.
2: We're looking forward to your suggestions, comments, and feedback.